Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and today I'm going to do something special. I'm going to share one of my one-hour lives that I normally do in my group on Facebook, the subscription group, and I always have a topic I go over, and I also answer all of the members' questions from the week, and this week they asked a lot of great questions, like how do you fix a horse that wants to shoulder a barrel, or a horse that's not finishing their turns, or what about a horse that's shaking their head in the holding pin, or um, what does it mean if my mare is swishing her tail? Um, there was just a lot of really cool questions, so I'll let you listen and, and hear my response. And I also go over a topic on um, how to get a horse patterned for the barrels, how much time you spend doing that, how to prepare them for hauling and then entering and exhibitioning all of that's covered so I'm gonna go ahead and let you listen to it but there's one other thing I want to share with you if you join my group I'm super excited this is our six month anniversary we have 53 members in 12 states and I was able to add a password protected members only website so now not only do the members get to have the live group um, where there's a lot of interaction and sharing of the slow play reviews that I critique um, of their competition and training in slow motion. But there's also a place where you can go now to the website and pull up all my training videos on topic from colt starting, groundwork, how to pattern a horse, the foundation you would want, basics that you'd want on your horse, uh, drills to do for training, tune-up to do for the barrels. Um, there's just so much more extra care, you name it. And it's all listed by topic and really easy to just click on a video and learn whatever you're wanting to learn. So anyways, thank you for tuning in for this podcast. And um, again, I'm going to let you have a special one-hour um, insiders kind of way to see how hey, things go. Some of you have been with me since the very beginning, and I'm excited to say we're staying at about 53 members, and we're in 12 states, and we're at six months. So I've really enjoyed watching your progress, getting to be a part of everybody's journey. A lot of you have made massive improvements in your foundation and your basics, on the pattern, in competition. It's been exciting to see some of you move up the division, have your personal best times, fix the issue that you were having, or just um, you know completely improve by maybe even a whole second. So, or win something that you weren't expecting to win, maybe a one deed uh, check or a saddle or a buckle or something like that. So all of you have just really uh, made me smile and I've just been really, really happy to get to be a part of everybody's journey. So thank you for that. That's the best part about being a coach. You know, for so many years, I've been a competitor and trainer and, you know, I, they say it's not really the years, it's the miles. And I've put some miles on my old body training horses for a living for 20 some years. And I'm just really enjoying being a coach. And it, it's more fun than I thought that it would be after training and competing for so long. It's really a nice change. So I'm embracing being a part of your lives as coach, uh, you know, just in 
encouraging you, helping you work through things, see things, and um, just taking the experience that I've had with the best educators of all, like 1,500 horses, um, that's honestly the, one of the greatest educations you can ever get if you want to be a better horseman is get, get to work with as many horses as you can. So I'm going to go right into um, new members. Um, Sandra has been a member for a little bit in Kansas, but it was more for her daughter, Avery, and Bling. But now Sandra wants to be a part of it too, so she joined up for her as well, not just her daughter, for her and Bobby. So welcome to y'all. And Kansas looks a little bit cold right now, but you're out there competing still, so that's awesome. And I love that we have some mother-daughter teams that are actually competing together. We have um, Diana and Dawn, we have Janice and Lisa, and now we have Sandra and Avery. And of course, we have a lot of parents with their kids in the group, but actually having the mom and daughter competing together, I think that's really fun. So those are awesome memories you're making and just a lifetime of things to look back on and, and just enjoy the process getting to be a part of your child's life and compete with them. So that's awesome. Um, let's see. So a lot of stuff's going on. Um, I've got a lot going on with the podcast. I don't know if you guys have been watching it, but pay attention to it. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. If you're new to the group, my book, I cover every chapter of my book in the beginning of the podcast. So you could start at the beginning. Um, we had some really good wins last week. Um, Angela and Buster won their first 1D money. So that was exciting. Second place. And it was a really nice run, especially after Buster got hurt and had to have time off and rehab. And they were right at their peak right before that happened. And then it was kind of hard for her to have to get off of them, but needed to be done. And then legging back up the whole process, as you all know, that have been through it is slow. Like I'm on Briscoe right now trying to get her and I legged up. And um, it's just a long process. So the first couple runs back, they were kind of blown by the barrels, but Angela stayed the course, did her slow work during the week, kept his mind about him. And then the last couple of runs were really smooth, good turns, and then boom, they put it all together, had the speed and the turns together. So congratulations, that makes me so happy. Um, four of the members came to my clinic last weekend, Melissa, Lauren, Summer, and Teresa, and it was really nice to get to meet your horses in person and meet you. Obviously, Lauren, I've already met, but the other three, and, and to really get to watch you and see what you needed to work on a little bit more. A lot of time when I get to coach you guys on the um, actual videos that you send me, I don't see the stuff like the warm-ups. I don't see the you know, the foundation, the basics that your horses have. So that gave me a little bit more insight on what people might have needed to work on. So I want you to keep that in mind, everybody, because um, there was actually one one of you from Kansas that has told me that your horse was shaking its head, and I'm going to get into that in the questions, but I really didn't understand what she was saying until she sent me a video of it, and then I was able to tell her what to do about it. So a lot of times by getting to meet some of you, and some of you I may never get to meet because you're out of state. So make sure you send me those little videos that maybe not just in the arena, but maybe something they do when you're warming up or when you're practicing and let me see what's going on there as well. So, so congratulations to you um, and Connor. Connor
Connor and Slick, you're just doing so great. You went to a Black Horse Buckle Series and you won the barrels. So congratulations to you. Um, Avery won 2D money on Bling at a barrel race this week. So that's awesome. Everybody's just been doing wonderful. So um, I'm going to go ahead and go right into some of the, the comments and questions that we have for this week. There was actually quite a few. Um, let's see here. One of the questions was... Um, how can I work on my own cues and my timing without overworking on the barrel pattern? And you know, that's a really great question. This also works if you have a really hot horse, like when um, Angela came back with Buster, he's kind of hot and she has to be careful, you know, how much pattern work she does. So what I would highly recommend is my single barrel exercise called True Turns. And um, I put it in the group so you can see it but it mimics based on where you come into the pattern it mimic a first barrel a second barrel and a third barrel so you can literally work a horse on the barrels without them knowing they're on the barrels so i would do it mainly on a walk and a trot if you have a hot horse and i would definitely do it at that speed until you're perfect at it and the nice thing about that is it allows you to bring them into the barrel squared up and framed up nicely just like you would on the pattern they're square you're square and then you can bend them nicely in your spots around the barrel spot one two and three and then you can do your lead change after you leave first as you go around to go approach the second barrel you can snap out a second and hustle around a third and and it really feels like the difference of the extension the rate the the nice soft turn and then the squaring back up when you leave your barrels and that's really important too having those horses working off that outside leg so it only not only allows you to work on your timing in the run um, by just working that one single barrel but it also works on them moving off your legs better because you can use your inside leg to soften them around the barrel your outside leg to square them back up as you leave your turns and that's really important because I really like a horse to be square and a nice balance to them not overly on the front end not overly on the back end but very 50 50 as you're approaching and then as you're starting to rate feel a little bit more shifting to the hindquarters and then picking up that shoulder so we'll feel a little Little bit more elevated in your slow work so they can really use that hindquarters and pick up that shoulder and that's really important so your legs become a huge part of helping the shoulders soften or straighten and then your body becomes a huge part of getting that collection and that picking your horse up with a little bit of inside hand and leg backing it up so that would be my recommendation also as well as learning to take that time to talk to your horse and say easy practice exhaling, breathing, being calm. Have a very soothing way about you whenever you work with your horse. So that way it ties in from at home to the barrel race and your horse knows that calm of you. Focused and in the, in the zone and ready to compete, but a calm, soothing uh, way about you. And a lot of that can do with just your breathing and talking to your horse. So um, the next question was, I have a horse that's really a push horse and I find myself sitting too far forward and then in the turns, I get out of position and they leave me behind leaving. And that is a big problem when you ride a push horse because what happens is a rider gets too far forward and then the horse dumps on that front end and then it's just playing catch up 
for the rest of the turn. And a lot of times you'll get out of position or maybe you'll step off, um, you know, maybe you'll lose your one of your spots and it just isn't pretty. So if you have a situation like that, what I'd like to recommend you to do is to not sit up so far. Really, when we're sitting up or back on our horses, it's more about just rolling forward on our thighs or sitting on our pockets. It shouldn't be any huge amount of your shoulders over your saddle horn. It shouldn't be with your shoulders behind your saddle. It really should just be a very simple movement of rolling forward on your thighs and sitting back on your pockets. And when you're saying, well, that's not gonna be enough to get my horse up in the hole. Well, that's where your legs come in. You can sit up without leaning too far forward and drive with both of your legs, your hands forward, your energy smooching, and legs will really help them get up in there and keep them more easy in their hindquarters. What happens when we get too far forward and we're just driving, 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 it's like, driving your truck and if you drive up in there really hard and turn the steering wheel you're going to end up in the ditch versus if you back off a little to make the curve and have a nice uh, a way to stay on the road and not end up in the ditch it's the same way with our horse to get to our spots we have to be able to sit but push them with our legs through the turns so that would be my answer for that um, really focus on riding to your spots. That way you can sit through the turn, but use your voice and your legs to keep that horse driving. And then use your horn to pull up, leaving that barrel. So that way you're not behind them as well and you're not hanging on their head. A lot of times when we get out of position, we're in their face for too long as well. So that's why it's so important to get to your spots and riding that hindquarters to each spot as well, not just the front end. Um, so I hope that answers your question there. Um, let's see the next question. Oh, it kind of ties in with the other one. Um, let's see, hanging on my face and not finishing my turns. Okay, so that's been a problem for this person. Says they've been kind of hanging on their face and the horse is just blowing off wide and not finishing their turns. They feel like when they get in the turn, they're just not thinking and they're not using their body and they ride really stiff and rigid. And a lot of times that happens because at home you're more relaxed or an exhibition you're more relaxed but then when you go to compete you'll um you'll kind of freeze up and then you just kind of brain fog you know it's like that post i put up just joking that we think 24 7 until we go down the alleyway and then we blank out and unfortunately until you learn to have a tougher mindset that's going to happen so that's why it's really important that you learn to breathe focus on riding to your spots focus on doing your job and that will get you to be more calm and confident rather than worrying about the time to run or what your horse is going to do you can't control any of that all you can control is doing your job getting to your spots and cueing your horse correctly so that's where thinking of two things comes important to your run so if that was your issue that you were hanging on your horse's face I would tell myself to use my body more and lighter hands that would be what I would be thinking when I went down that alleyway. I'd be thinking body, hands, light hands, use my body. And that would be my goal if I was in that situation. I would also go back to basics. Um, I would spend time uh, making sure that that horse works off of my body. Does my horse finish their turns on their self at a walk, trot, and a slow lope? Will they work off just my seat and my legs or do I have to use my reins to finish my turns or start my turns? If I do, if I have to use my hands to finish a turn, I shouldn't be running in competition anyways because my horse doesn't understand their job. So 
that would be you need to slow things back down and get things right again. So that's why during the week we go back to basics, we go back to slow work on the barrels and I'm talking a walk and a trot. For fun, I had the girls in the workshop this last weekend walk the pattern with only their eyes and their body, no hands and legs, and see what their horses thought their job was. And it was really interesting to see what these horses were thinking. One cut off the pocket, the other one headed back to the alleyway, another one didn't finish the turn, another one looked lost going to the barrels. Um, you know, there was a lot of things going on, so there was a couple that turned the barrel just perfectly, and that's what you want. You want a horse that when you walk through the pattern, they know their job, they go right to their pockets, they give you a nice room around the barrel, they finish the barrel on their own. If they're not, there's a very good chance that you're doing too much and they're not doing enough or they haven't been educated to the pattern enough okay so there's nothing wrong with doing slow work during the week there's nothing wrong with having the barrel set you know we talk a lot about drills and dry work but I like actually going through the pattern I would come in from riding out in the cattle and the pasture ride in my conditioning and I would walk or trot walk the barrels and and I would show my girls just literally five minutes before we put them up is exactly where I want them to be and what I expect so they know their job. Briscoe was off 12 weeks and I've been using her to make little short videos and she knows her job. Just 12 weeks off, she's 19 years old, she knows her job. There's nothing I have to tell her to do, she just does it. So, um, you know, I'm playing around and doing different things like straighter, longer, or in and outs. And so she has to wait on me and see what I'm going to ask her to do. But ultimately she knows how to turn a barrel by herself. She knows I want some room going in and to finish tight. So that's what you're going to look for when you play with your horses. Um, are you able to bring your horse in and square them up when you rate? Are they framed up nicely? Are they soft through the turn? Do they square back up to lead? All of those things you really want to pay attention to in your slow work. So um, another thing that people make a mistake with that, you're saying you're in your horse's face too much. When you get when you get on that backside, okay, let's say we go into spot one and maybe they need a little bit of help so you do a quick bump, but then you kind of give it back to them at spot two on the backside and that's when you'll turn your shoulder and your hip a little bit more and then at the finish, if you feel them finishing that turn by themselves, push that hand forward, give them their head. There's a few videos in there. I think Avery does it really nice on bling. Those reins just go to the ears, pull up on that saddle and start driving and those are really pretty... Um, examples of getting off that head leaving the turns and um, not being in their face too long but again if you go into the spot one wrong and your timing's messed up there it's gonna just complicate right you're gonna be out of position at spot one so then you're out of position at spot two and then you're out of position at spot three and you're constantly playing catch up so that's why it's so important to have your rate cue and rate and turn are two different cues whether you rate three strides out two strides out or one stride out or when you get to the barrel every horse is a little different they're push horses free runners so some of you are sitting up a little longer some of you are backing off sooner it all just depends on the individual horse but there are separations of cues. Rate just means to gather and shorten your stride. Turn is when you actually change your body position a little or maybe change your hand position a little. And they do happen at separate times most of the time.
for most horses. So that's why it's so important to understand that your horse knows the difference between right and turn and knows exactly where your spots are. Is it a five, five feet for going in at spot one or four feet or three feet? It shouldn't be more than five, it shouldn't be less than three. How much room do they need on the backside? You know, how much room do they need on the exit? You really need to know your horse, the individuality of your horse, their turning style. Are they rollback? Are they front endy? Are they four wheel drive? Are you on a big bubba or a little caddy horse? You know, it all makes a difference. So you've got to know your horses. And that's why I'm so much into journaling, watching your videos, replaying in your mind your best runs and, and try to mimic those runs where you rode to and your timing and your cues. All of that's really important. Okay, is that all those three questions? Yep. Okay, so then the next question, um, let's see here. Um, my mare is swishing her tail. Do you think that could be nerves or um, pain? Um, probably in most cases, um, in the, the particular question that this came up with, it was mainly in her slow work when she was having her do her slow work. I think that is just an excitement. A lot of times mirrors do that out of excitement. Um, they also do it sometimes when you're making them go a little slower than they want. Now, Briscoe did her tail all the time. One of my customers is deaf and she would say Briscoe had a fire tail and I asked her what she meant by that and she said when she goes straight, she swishes her tail this way you know left and right and then when she turns the barrels she does it round and um and that was briscoe she always switched her tail but she's a very sensitive horse now if my gray switched her tail i would be more concerned that that would be pain because that wasn't as much of a thing for her and she's gonna flicker her tail when she doesn't feel good more so it, again comes down to knowing your horse um but if they're only doing it in your slow work and maybe when you're holding them back in a slow lope instead of a run, I would tend to think they're just getting excited and and all of that. So, but pay attention to it. Again, that comes down to knowing your horse. Um, let's see. This one says, my horse is not finishing their left turns. So um, what would you do for that? Um, that one, I would do a couple different TLC drills. Um, I posted one in the group today, the in and outs. Um, the in and out, I like it for two reasons. Um, I like it for the horse that sees a barrel and wants to shoulder it or cut you off um, because it makes you sit down and step out and pick them up and ride their shoulder away from the barrel. So it's like reverse psychology, tell them to get away from the barrel and then ride that hindquarters to the backside. So you may go six feet going in, six feet on the backside at a walk trot in your tune-up and then leave three feet um, and so for the horse that's not finishing the barrel, the in and outs is gonna help you on the exit. Maybe you'll walk up in there, move them out, not as much because maybe you don't have a shoulder in issue. So you may go five, five, and then finish three, but really make them finish and then get them over to almost your first stride out to where the, the, their tails like lined up with the barrel you just left. So that way then you have to gradually go back out almost like you're going dead on at the next barrel and then gradually go back out to three or four feet. So um, if I have a horse that's not finishing their turns, I would do that. I would also do some rollbacks where I go in a straight line 
and um, on that horse, I would go on that straight line, I'd do a loose rein roll, loose rein whoa, easy for me to say, and then um, and then I would ask them to roll over those hocks because I want them working off my legs good. I want my horse to know that when I put outside leg on them at spot two or spot three, they need to start coming back to me and finish that turn. But if your horse doesn't understand that, then of course, um, you need to go back to basics and really work on them moving off your leg. Inside leg should ask them to move off the barrel. Outside leg should ask them to finish up and straighten out those shoulders. So again, I would pay attention to that. Um, I'd be certain my horse is raiding off my body and that they understood my leg cues. That's really important. Okay, um, the next one is, let's see here. Okay, um, they were concerned if their horse was coming along at the schedule they should and they were having difficulty with a few little things and other things were going really well. And um, my suggestion for that is just to focus on one thing at a time. So when you go out to ride your horse, I usually try to pick one thing I wanna focus on. Like Rocky lately, it's been getting nose and shoulder. That's been our thing I'm working on with him right now. He's a little stiffer and lazier than I would like. I like more supple and more fluid. So that's my goal when I go out there with him. So I would focus on one thing at a time. And as far as timetables go, if they're progressing at the speed that they should, Everyone's an individual. Some just pick things up so fast and others are late bloomers. So it's not really good to judge one horse by another because they all progress at a different speed. They'll also progress slower if you're not riding as consistently because of weather or your job or all of that. They'll also progress slower if you're learning with them. Where someone who has a trainer who does it all the time, they kind of know what to feel, what to expect, and, and they ask for, you know, they just kind of, it comes along quicker because they know what to expect and you're still kind of feeling it your way through it. So, so don't feel bad if it takes longer. It's okay, you have to just learn to enjoy the process and the journey and that's what I'm here for. If you're frustrated, send me a little video of it and we'll work through it. Um, let's see here. This question um, was somebody that who was just really having a hard time letting go of a bad habit. Um, and it's really in their head, all the time in their head that they just can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And for you, um, that's something you need to tell yourself, I can, I will, and you're gonna have to do it every day. It's no different than eating healthy or exercising. We all hate to, it's so much fun, more fun not to work out and not to eat healthy, right? You don't have to think about it. Well, you know, it takes discipline to do all of those things. Even discipline to go ride your horse when it's 20 degrees outside or 40. We don't get that cold, but you know, just so you don't want to go ride when it's under 50 degrees is hard. So it just comes down to, you're going to have to tell yourself that I can change this habit. I can do it. Is it easy? Nope. But is it worth it? Yes. So just, just be focused on it and you will get there. Um, you know, in six months from now, you'll be like, oh, that was nothing. But you know, right now it's hard. So just keep, keep working away at it and it gets better. I promise it does. You just have to plug away, okay? So let's see, the next question. This is a really cool question. I love when you guys send me questions, by the way, because sometimes I don't know what you want to hear. I, I, I kind of go from the videos you're sending me and maybe what I see you guys talking about or whatever. I try to, you know, or whatever. I'm just getting kind of a feeling of what we need to work on. Um, 
but this one I thought was a cool one. Um, so they asked about how do I get sponsors? And, um, oh, where's the question? <laughs> oh, I'm having a blonde moment. Wait a minute. Oh, oh here it is. Okay, how do I get sponsors? Um, people or associations, how do I know who to ask? And, you know, how do you know what to offer them? So um, that's a really good question. So if it's for, if it's for an association, that's a little bit different. Usually associations um, like MPH or whatever, they'll offer a banner or a barrel sponsor or they'll announce their name at barrel races in return for cash money. They'll, you know, that kind of thing. Um, kids can get sponsored a whole lot easier than women. Um, because people love to support kids. So kids can just say, hey, I'll wear your uh, logo on my shirt or put it on my horse trailer or my truck or, you know, I'll, I'll have them call out your name at my barrel races. Um, I'll tag you in all my videos on Facebook and my following. But ultimately, to get a sponsor, you really have to tell them what you're going to give them back in return. I will tell you, cash sponsors are much harder to get for an individual than product sponsors. Um, product sponsors, you can get, you know, like they'll give you, uh, you know, whatever they make or maybe a discount on um, some of their, you know, merchandise or supplements or whatever. Maybe they'll even give you free supplements. I've had sponsors do that for me over the years give me all my joint supplements or all my vitamins and minerals or give me leg boots and bell boots like professional choice and such um, or give me a really good discount when I wanted to buy something so but you have to present to them you know this is my following I have so many people on my Instagram or my YouTube or my Facebook or I know so many people I go to this many shows or I compete at this level or or you know whatever and just kind of tell them most of them it's going to be a tax write-off um so for an individual, just try to put together a nice little email of what you will do for them and why you would like their sponsorship, what it's gonna help you achieve, whether you're trying to go to Youth World or just be able to compete because, you know, it's expensive to compete and go on the road and, and you know, you're just wanting to do it as a professional thing and blah, blah, blah. But, but again, always be professional. Don't ask for sponsors and then on your Facebook page have a whole bunch of ugly drama or foul language or, you know, just tacky, tacky stuff. Because you got to remember social internet for young people, it could be your future college, it could be your future boss. For us grown-ups, it can be for your sponsors, it could be, you know, again, for your business or your company. So you always want to be professional, um, especially if you're looking for sponsors. Um, who to ask? Um, I would go where you spend your money. Like me, I spend a whole lot of money on hay. So I'm going to go to my feed store. I'm going to go to my farrier, my chiropractor, um, my equine dentist. Uh, you know, but if you're lucky enough, you know, some construction companies or a dentist or a doctor who wouldn't mind, you know, support, supporting you or sponsoring you. It's, it's really about who you know. So really think about the people in your life, where you spend your money. Maybe you're a truck and trailer mechanic. Um, people that it would uh, benefit them to learn and get more clients from the Western industry. So that's that's how I would go about that if you're looking for sponsors. And, um, and take care of your sponsors. Once you get a sponsor, make sure that you are giving them a shout out once a week or once a month or whatever your arrangement is or you're wearing their label on your shirt or on your truck or whatever. Um, just make sure you're taking care of your sponsor so they'll renew it again the following year for you. This year with COVID, this pandemic, worldwide pandemic, everybody's budgets are so much tighter so it's harder to find people to, to do that kind of stuff. And you kind of feel bad even asking. So, you know, 
be sympathetic to where people are right now and just, you know, find a way, even if it's just, you know, make sure you're hustling for them so that it's advantageous to them. You know, make sure you are getting them some new clients or new customers. So, okay, enough of that. Um, let's see here. Okay, I think this was just kind of a comment from me, just from everything I've been watching, but um, horses really do teach us the most. Um, the mental, you know, they teach us how to be mentally tough. We learn more about body language because of a horse. We learn more about working with someone who's different than us, you know, all of that. And, and just the individuality of them and how they all need us to be a little bit different. And, th and that goes to your mental game. When you're trying to get prepared to run your horse, you know, you really need to just think, what does my horse need from me? And that's what you have to summon from yourself to be there for your horse. Um, so that was just a comment I made of, of some of the things I watched with videos this last week. Um, let's see. Here's one um, was a good one. Um, how to get over fear of an accident. And that was what someone in our group, some of you are aware. But this couldn't be not just a truck and trailer accident, but it could be a horse bucked you off or you fell during a run or you hit the gate at the end of the uh, run or whatever. Whatever the accident or scary moment was, um, it does take time to get over it. So I've had clients come to me many times over the years and they have a true fear because of getting hurt, whether a horse bucked them or, you know, just whatever happened, it's in their mind. And I think God gives us fear to keep us uh, safe, but we have to rationalize. Is it a fear that's keeping us common sense safe or are we getting overly like, I'm not leaving my house because I don't want to catch COVID, you know, that kind of over overkill, you know? So, so, um, you know, we have to kind of find a balance. So with that said, I find that it becomes like a light bulb moment for people um, where they, they take these tiny little steps like, okay, I'm not going to run barrels yet, but what I will do is I will work on these drills that she wants me to do. And with me walking these drills and trotting these drills and loping these drills, my horse and I are becoming a team again. I trust my horse more, my horse trusts me more, and I'm slowly ready to do more. And that's what happens. You know, you have to pray about it. You have to have faith that you're going to be protected. Whatever's going to be happening is meant to be happening. And, you know, you just got to take one baby step at a time and trust that you're going to be okay with, with it. But at the same token, don't go faster than you're ready. Don't let your spouse or friends or something say, Hey, you need to just go for it. And because you're not, might not be ready. You know, you, you go at a, a pace that you can. And I can tell you from experience that those light bulbs will start to go off and you will get your confidence back. It just takes time. So take your baby steps and it does get better. Just don't let someone bully you into just, you know, let her rip tater chip if you don't feel ready. You go at a speed that you feel confident. It is scary, you know, to have a horse do something with you that you weren't expecting a fall or a trip or whatever. And it just takes time to get over it. Um, so that's that. Um, hopefully that helps. Let's see her. Okay. Um, to read this one again. Okay, um, this particular horse uh, started showing lameness. I recommended they got a vet check and sadly it came out 
pretty bad. They had a lot of arthritis and bone spurs. So the mare is so severe, the vet said retire it. So they're just gonna make her a brood mare. But the reason I'm telling you this story is because they didn't do a pre-purchase exam and they paid good money for this horse. So um, you really need to do those pre-purchase exams. Um, Sometimes when a horse is off, it can be something mild. It could just be an abscess brewing because of the weather changes in the soil and such. Or it could be something like this, bone spurs and arthritis that's very severe. That's only going to show up the more work you go, like my hip. My hip doesn't hurt just to walk around the house. It darn sure hurts when I ride two horses in a row. Um, so, you know, get those pre-purchase exams, buy insurance the first year you have a horse. At least it may not cover loss of use if you don't buy that kind of insurance, but you know, maybe to cover your diagnostics and you know, God forbid if you lost the horse or something like that. Those are all things to consider. And I'm just bringing this up because I feel so bad for them because they were doing really well. And then this is very devastating news for them. I would also try them at a show if it's an open horse. Obviously a baby, you're not going to do that. But if it's an open horse and you're paying a lot of money uh, and they're good in the backyard and before you buy them, try them at a show because they could be a whole different creature at a show. They might be on two legs instead of four. So, so definitely do that ask questions are they a good hauler you know 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 what they do you know how much maintenance is there all of that um so be very careful with that situation um let's see her um okay this one is um, my horse is extremely stiff in the shoulders and um trying to turn the barrels at their shoulders so um so this one, the drills that I would recommend for you would be get away from the pattern first and really work on getting nose and shoulder, leg laterals, two tracking, um, you know, a lot of stuff like you saw me doing on Briscoe with getting a lot of nose, doing the circles, um, even rollbacks with nose, riding the hindquarters more. But then I would go back to a barrel pattern once you get all of that figured out, when you get your horse really broke loose more and you can just do circles with the nose slightly in, shoulder up and out and hip under and they're fluid. You've got flex and fluidity in your circles. Then go back to the barrels and do all lefts, all rights where that horse has to stay six feet off the barrel, literally five to six feet minimum, and circle that barrel two or three times, then go to the next one. Same thing, just keep doing it. Go cue, rate cue, circle cue, and just do not allow them to get stiff. Don't let that shoulder, what I call it is keeping the leg, I'm sorry, keeping the barrel behind my leg. So. So when I'm working my horse, I wanna always feel like the barrel's behind my leg. Anytime the shoulder gets in, the barrel's gonna get in front of my leg and you don't want that. So if you keep the shoulder picked up and out, you're always gonna have the barrel behind. Now, if you're on a rubber necker horse, that's a whole different game. You're gonna keep that head and neck straight and just get shoulder control. That'll keep your hip in. So you don't want so much face. But if you're on a stiff horse, you're gonna need nose and shoulder in order to ride that hind quarters through the circle. So all all lefts, all rights, and in and outs would be wonderful for that horse as well. So there's those videos in the group and also at the membership. I hope everybody's been like enjoying that. If you have checked it out, um, the one where it's password protected, I put all the videos in there that I've been making and I'm making more and adding to it by topic. So if you're looking for a tune-up drill, it's in there. If you're looking how to pattern your horse, it's in there. I just try to organize it. 
and you know starting colts groundwork you name it i'm trying to list it all by topic just to make it an easy search for you but you can still do it in the magnifying glass in the group as well let's see here okay so um this one was uh, my horses shaking their head in the warm-up pin before they compete and at first I didn't understand what she was saying, but she sent me a video and she is really shaking her head, like like neurotically, just up and down and up and down before they go. And she said it's driving her nuts. I could see that. But so what I told her I recommend to do at home first is do face flexing, the calm down cue. All that is is anxiety. Like right before my runs, when my horse would know she was at Briscoe, she would reach back and try to like bite at my pants, like to tell me I'm nervous, I'm excited, I know we're up. So um, you know, and she just start to do it right when she knew we were like it was our drag. So when a horse does something that's anxiety, you want to give them a calming. So in this horse's case, he's bobbing his head up and down. You're going to teach him to face flex at a standstill at home first. So they know the cue and face flex laterally, left and right to your foot. Ask slow, release quick. Don't let the feet move. Say, whoa, say easy. No legs on, sitting relaxed, exhaling. And just do that face flexing, calm down cue. You can teach it from the ground. You can teach it in the saddle at home, but then apply it to your holding pin or your warm up pin when you're waiting to run and take care of that head bobbing. So they have a choice. They face flex or stand quietly. Anytime they start to head bob, start to face flex again. So you're taking their anxiety and you're giving them a cue. You're giving them something to think about rather than, oh my God, I'm up. Oh my God, I'm up. Okay, so the only one you may not want to do that with is a horse that like Briscoe would grab at my pants or you just have to move your leg back a little bit and just alternate your left to right a little bit sooner um, and that. But I mean, I swear it's almost like they know that they hear your name or something. They, they just get so used to the routine. I had one that would paw right before Callie in Colorado. She would start to paw right before her run. Um, it's just like they know, you know, and that's their way of getting their self amped up because we're asking them to go from a calm Western pleasure, you know, walk into a racehorse run and turn three times. So a lot of time that adrenaline is still in them. And we all know this when we leave the arena heading back to the trailer and it takes us a little bit to walk them out and to calm them back down because that adrenaline is so high. And sometimes that adrenaline, just like for us, it's not nerves as much as it's excitement of knowing that run is coming so it's not a matter of, oh I don't like my job it's I'm excited we kind of got to get pumped we got to get woke up and that's how I think a horse knows it's coming so they're getting that energy that like oh it's coming so so don't think of it as a negative just think of it as I need to give them something to think about until we're up so they don't wash out or get overly worked up before a run Okay, so that's what I would do. And just keep me posted if that's working or not. And if it's not, we'll think of something else. But for the majority of horses, um, that will work. Okay. Um, this one is where I'm having trouble with my right lead. And actually, it works out good because there's someone else who's having trouble with their left lead. So um, what I would do for that is I like to set up three poles. And I like to do huge um, two tracking where I get lots of nose and lots of shoulder. And I really get them moving off of my scissor legs. So I shift my weight. I sit back on my hip. 
and I really set them up for a left lead departure, a right lead departure, and I just keep breaking it down, nose, shoulder, hip, nose, shoulder, hip, and just break it down, break it down at a walk, at a trot, so that I'm constantly setting them up. I've got nose, I've got shoulder, I've got hip, and just keep setting them up, and then eventually I'm going to bump them into a lope and hope that I get it each time on cue, but just keep breaking the body loose more, and eventually they will get it. I don't like when people ask for leads in unorthodox ways, for instance, counter-arcing, I don't have a problem with, let's say you're doing a circle and your horse likes maybe a little more hug of the inside leg and then you can drive them out, you know, with your, drive the hip up with your outside leg. That's fine because those are just scissor legs, but pulling the nose out and pushing the shoulder in, that would be one way to get it, but it's just not the correct way. It's not universally correct. So ideally, you know, I've seen people run straight at a fence, turn off sharp. I've seen them, um, you know, take them into a tiny, tiny circle to get it. But ultimately, um, some of these horses are gonna be stronger on one side or the other. Again, rule out chiropractically or vet, veterinarian that they're not lame. It can even be unbalanced hooves. Um, make sure there's not a physical, painful reason that they can't pick up a lead, but then spend more time training, breaking that body loose and just getting it where they can do it from a straight line and a circle. I can tell you with Rocky, he picks up his left lead every single time. He loves it. The right lead is his weaker side and I haven't looked him a lot just because of my hip. So when I do, it'll take me two or three times of setting him up and, and get where you can feel it because in all honesty, horsemanship, you'll see people that don't have a lot of horsemanship can't feel what lead they're on. They have to peek down over the shoulder or they just don't know, they can't feel it unless maybe the horse is cross-firing. In that case, you would definitely, um, you know, want to really develop your horsemanship where you can feel what's correct. And, and that's all a big part about it. Um, some people say don't worry about leaves, just let them go and they'll change when they get there. And that is true, but it's not how I would like to do things. I would like my horses to be correct from the get-go. Um, they will eventually learn it. And if it's one horse that maybe you're gonna get too hot or in a fight with, in that situation, I probably would not worry about it. And I just let them start figuring it out on their own when they get to the barrel. But would I like to be able to get my horse to pick up their lead on cue in my slow work for when I wanna do a circle or um, things like that, like laterals, etc.? Absolutely. So just keep plugging away at it because that all comes down to foundation, solid basics. Um, and it's always gonna feel better if they're on the correct lead because if you're on the wrong lead when you get there, they're gonna dump heavier on that front end. You may lose your hip. It may put you out of timing on your horse. If they dump on their front end, it could throw you forward. It's just not gonna be as good when you start adding speed. It may not be too bad right now while you're loping to the barrel, but it's certainly gonna magnify as you start going faster. So keep working at it and they will get it. They will get better. I'm going to do a video this afternoon. I'm going to ride. I've been waiting for it to warm up. I'm um, sissy. Um, but I think it's going to get to 60 today and it's sunshiny. So I'll make a video on that drill for the three poles. Um, Lauren's been doing it since the clinic because she was struggling with her right lead and she said her mare's picking it up nice. So that's encouraging and that's only been since Saturday. So that's awesome. So I will set that up. And again, it could take your horse longer. Don't 
judge yourself by someone else. Um, okay, so let me see. Is that all of the questions? I think so. All right, I'm gonna get into my topic for the day. And um, do I see any questions? I see quite a few watching, so yay, hello everybody. Um, my topic for today is putting the barrel pattern on the horse and the time that is needed. Um, so again, time that's needed is gonna vary on the individual and also their foundation. So the number one thing that's important to me is their basics. Um, they need to, there are certain things I want personally. Um, I'm one of those people that if I feel a horse going off on the wrong lead, I'm gonna shut them down and correct it right off the bat. I'm not gonna just let them be wrong. I may circle to get it, especially if you're hauling for exhibitioning and they're nervous and there's puddles and horses and there's a lot of chaos going on. I may lope a few circles until the pattern's clear and I have room to work and I have the horses focus and then I'll go. Um, so I circle when I um, tend to haul out for exhibitionings versus going straight if there's a lot going on and I need to get my horse's attention. There's something wrong with that as long as you, when you take off, you're on the correct lead. And sometimes you'll see people circle on the correct lead and then they'll do something with their hands and the horse will swap and then swap up again. So make sure you're riding smooth, make sure your hands are even, you're not being dominant on your outside rein or leg that would cause them to change that lead again. Be smooth about that. Um, but the first thing, like I said, is I want my basics on my horses. What kind of basics? Well, um, obviously you want direct rein, some neck rein, a loose rein, whoa. Um, transitions would be great. They could go um, post-trot and then sit jog off of your body. Uh, face flexing left, right, and down vertically as standstill, walk, trot, and even a lope would be great in circles and straight lines. Um, you should be able to do circles that um, walk, trot, canter, uh, all different sizes, all different speeds. Um, you should be able to do some of my drills before you ever lope the barrels. It'd be nice if you could lope the D pattern, lope spirals. Um, you shouldn't be able to pick up your leads in a circle in a straight line, preferably, but um, they should be able to back up, roll backs, maybe side pass. Um, you know, just, you know, have a nice backing, um, just things that, you know, be desensitized, which you should have done in your groundwork, you know, so that way when you start hauling, they're not scared of everything. Um, there's just a lot of that stuff that you need to get done before you show them the pattern. That way the pattern's easier for them, like leg laterals and such. Um, you can position your horse, because sometimes we just want to shape a horse and we don't want the feet to move. That's why face flexing without the feet moving would be important, or why moving off your leg to get a hip in or put a shoulder out would be important. Um, so when I do start going to the barrels, um, I'm going to start, like people are like, oh, how often should I ride them? What should I do? Um, and again, when I'm patterning, let's say someone sends me a horse for training, they're giving me a month to get so much done. Um, so I may have to spend a month just on their basics before I even show them the barrels. But let's say their basics are good and I'm starting the barrel pattern. I'm gonna ride them five days a week. One day I may just work them out in the cow pasture or something just to give them a break from the arena. But pretty 
much every day, like four of those days, I'm going to do a mix of dry work and barrels or drills and barrels, but I'm going to keep them at least four days a week walking and trotting the barrel pattern because they need the repetition. They need to understand there's a straight lines, there's a go cue, a rate cue. I want them to be square when they come up to the barrel and when they rate, I want them to soften from my inside leg um, at spot one and spot two and keep that nice four wheel drive, soft lateral feel to them. And then I want them to finish nicely on spot three, that exit. That's really important to me. So again, I want them to be very consistent about it. I want them to know exactly where I'm gonna ride them to, what I'm looking for when I leave that turn, when I put outside leg on them to square back up again. And so all of that has to be super solid. So I won't need to spend a lot of time. It may only be 20 minutes on the actual barrel pattern, 10 or 15 minutes warming up, 10 or 15 minutes cooling down, and maybe 15, 20 minutes on the back barrels. Um, some of the times on dry work or drills. So of that hour that you're on them, it's not one hour of barrels, but it's a variety. Um, I do things in sets of three. I feel like that's a very consistent number for horses. I feel like horses learn the most at a trot. Um, loping, they can get tired and make more mistakes. Walking, they can get bored, but trotting or post-trot sit jog is a really good way to get a horse listening and relaxed and focused. Um, so that I feel like is good. It keeps a horse that gets hot from getting too hot with too much loping, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good way to start them as far as um, the time goes. So let's say my horse is working nice now at the walk trot. They got it really good. I want to graduate to a lope. And there's a couple of you in the group doing that right now. Well, how should I go about that, especially if I'm concerned about leads? Well, I would definitely get my correct lead going to first. If I had to circle a few times to get it, that's fine, but I'd rather go to that first barrel on the correct lead. If they weren't, then I would break to a trot two strides out and just trot around the barrel. And then I would go ahead and lope off, hopefully on my left lead to the next barrel. If they were on their left lead, I might go ahead and lope around second and third because I'm already on the correct lead and I might want to just see how they handle it. Um, if they were on the wrong lead or they're still not rating the barrel nicely at a lope, I would break back to a trot, trot around the barrel and try to lope out the first stride out on the correct lead. Um, so I wanna have a clear go cue and it's always gonna be that first stride out. As soon as you get to spot three, start prepping for that first stride out of being on the correct lead and going into the canner. Um, so that's important. So once I feel good about that, I can lope to the barrels, trot around it, lope out, correct lead, then I'm gonna try to lope the whole thing. That can be difficult, um, and that's where changing, going to second barrel for babies is the hardest barrel because you've got to change leads, move over, and it's a full circle. So. I right away, that's why your two tracking and your leg laterals is so important because I can um, get a horse to swap their lead right at that very first stride out by being consistent with my dry work onto my barrels. So as soon as I had a nice lateral feel, spot one and two, spot three, we start to square up. Um, first stride out, I step into my right stirrup, but my first barrel is a right turn. 
I step in my right stirrup, I pulled up on my horn, I went back to two hands, and then I go ahead and bump with my um, left hand and leg, and that first stride out, I ask them to move over, swap their lead. So now I'm in position already, I'm already on my correct lead before I ever even get to the halfway point, like third barrel, and then I'm well in position before I ever get to second barrel. Some of them are lazier and may not change till the halfway point or a couple strides before, um, second, but I prefer to get it that very first stride out. I really don't like to have it when I get to my rate spot or spot one because that very reason of dumping on that front foreleg, four you know, their front shoulder, and then just feeling that loose back in. I don't like that feeling. It throws you forward and then you're playing catch up to spot two and three. So that's how I do it. Um, am I, is my way the only way? No, there's many ways to do things. Um, it's just a matter of horsemanship and your own personal program, what you personally feel works best. And with all the young horses I've ever started, I feel like it just is the easiest way for them to understand it. So. I just pref I prefer to set them up for success that way. Um, will they eventually learn to swap on their own? Yes. Um, but again, it's up to you if you want to let do it that way. I just don't like to do it that way. Um, now, if I was if I was exhibitioning or if I was competing, I'm not going to worry about leads. I'm going to ask for it, but I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm just going to go on to whatever I'm doing next. I'm not going to be like, they didn't get their lead. I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, I'm going to ask for it and just go on to the next thing. I'm not going to sit there and dwell on it and mess up my run because of it. Um, that's a situation where once they settle down and get more focused, they'll get better at it. So um, with that said, um, now I'm feeling good about loping the barrels at home. So I'm going to start hauling. I might go to practice nights because it's only $5 versus exhibitioning where I have to pay $5 an exhibition. But it just depends if my clients want me to get them into busy arenas with an all-day jackpot, you know, and more people around. Or if they want to get them in a covered arena, um, you know, we'll, we'll go and do that. But again, I kind of judge the horse if I tell the client look this horse is screwy at a jackpot I'm certainly not taking them to a covered pin yet they're going to come uncorked you know I hope that they'll give me more time to get this horse prepared you don't want to scare them you don't want to take their confidence away that's really really important um so I go at a pace that the horse can handle I don't I don't want to set them back I don't want to steal their confidence again we're trying to develop a horse with heart right we're trying to get a horse who wants to do barrels who enjoys doing barrels who is enjoying first grade second grade third grade fourth grade they're not going from elementary school to college so we want to um, introduce things slowly and the first couple times you guys know how this is you'll go to a nighttime thing and they're afraid of the shadows on the ground you know or they don't like the trenches around the barrels from 100 exhibitions and there's deep ruts and you practice with pretty ground at home so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on so if it's a situation like that go slower okay if you find that they're more upset about something the trenches around the barrels the extra horses the covered pin slow down just let them get the exposure and go home and go well that wasn't so bad but don't get mad don't get upset that hey you're working good at home by golly you need to work good here just understand that's part of hauling that's part of babies and it just takes time 
and they're gonna get their confidence from you. So if you're a nervous wreck, they're gonna be a nervous wreck. So you try to be as calm and positive about the situation as you can be because you're just trying to be there to be soothing to them and let them know that barrels grow in other arenas. Okay, besides at home. So even though the environment changes, the horses have to learn to handle adversity. And that's just part of seasoning and hauling. So there are certain things. Well, I hope you all enjoyed your a little glimpse at the live Q&A with the Facebook subscription group. And if you're interested, shoot a message to me and we'll get you joined up. Thank you.